Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jamie, life's a bitch, and now so am I. Thanks for telling me, I guess. (laughs) You're welcome. I just want you to know. Uh, I (laughs) underwent a transformation recently, and... Well, see, I'm actually uh, running for mayor, but but if if things, like, go south, even the smallest bit, Mm. the first little snafu I encounter, I will then pivot and threaten to kill everyone's son. (laughs) All the small children in Gotham. Oh, boy, does he 180 quickly on that one. Mm -hmm. It is wild. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to figure out who I'm most spiritually connected to. I lo- I love Catwoman, but I'm like I oh. I don't know if I could do what Catwoman does. Mm. I do feel very connected to Christopher Walken's big old son. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean Chip, who also talks like Christopher Walken in his two lines of dialogue. This is what I wanted to say. I'm so sorry to interrupt so early, no, but no, literally no. as soon as they started talking, like I completely forgotten that part of his character is that he sounds like his father. And so they're like, <laughs> get away, dad, just run. And I'm like, oh, he's like doing a Walken impression. <laughs> yeah. The idea that that would be a hereditary trait is yeah. so funny to me. <laughs> or also like begs the question of like, how long did he spend only with his dad so that he's like, oh, that's like the normal way of talking like that's how we talk (laughs) yeah I uh, I had so many questions about the sun, but the sun was just like damseled time and time again. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk in this community enough about damseling Christopher Walken's big old son. Um, <laughs> His large adult son. <laughs> yes, it's a disturbing trend in media. <laughs> it's a very harmful trope and I won't stand for it. Oh my gosh. I think that I'm team large adult son, but, also, there's, but I'm also <laughs> team the clown that's like, hey, Penguin, are you sure we want to steal everyone? son and then just gets <laughs> shot 
immediately. Oh. oh, there's so many good. I'm also on the side of the the stilts clown that gets knocked over by the Batmobile. God, this movie fucking rules. It's the best. It's so good. The Batmobile just has devices specifically for knocking over people on stilts. He's thought through everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every contingency. He's like, we gotta have something in the Batmobile for this. <laughs> He's like, wait, 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 Alfred, what if, and this is going to sound wild, but what if I needed to feed a clown on stilts? We have to be ready. We do. I really, I really don't think I appreciated just how much work Alfred has to do until this movie specifically. And also Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure we'll get to this, but at the end when Batman like picks up a cat, you can see it in Alfred's face where he's like, well, I know he's not going to take care of that thing. So that's my (laughs) cat now. (laughs) Like I'm going to have to do everything with this cat. Yeah. Who's scooping the litter at the end of the Mm -hmm. day? It's Alfred. It's not Bruce Wayne. (laughs) It's Alfred. Yeah. All right. Oh my gosh. This okay, well, let's just get into it. Welcome to the Bechtel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante, and this is the show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test simply as a jumping off point, which of course is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel Wallace test, originally mm-hmm. conceived as a just kind of one-off joke in Alison Bechtel's comic Dykes to Watch Out For uh, has since been kind of co-opted into the media metric that we based an entire show on uh, <laughs> where wow d- yeah calling us out um yeah, I mean, we fair. our version of this test is as follows two people of a marginalized gender have to have names they have to speak to each other and that conversation has to be about something other than a man and ideally it's a narratively significant conversation not just like a throwaway exchange controversially i think when michelle pfeiffer talks to her cat, cat? who we know is a woman <sighs> it pat because they're like hundred percent they're communicating <laughs> all right well that's it for this episode we're yeah we're, we're done yeah we can i feel like the nonverbal, like the the nonverbal communication, is strong, and yeah. and could it be more narratively impactful? No, no. Mm-hmm. Brings her back to life, <laughs> kind of amazing. That's pretty big. Yeah, huge. Uh, okay, uh, so oh. we are we are covering uh, <laughs> Batman Returns, nineteen ninety two, a Christmas movie that came out in June. I thought was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but in, in any case, let's get into it because clearly we are. <laughs> Like frothing absolutely at the mouth. frothing with thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So let's get our guest in here. Well, yeah, we must. Oh, also, oh, cat on my <gasps> literally. Flea is right there. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> I really, ugh. Whenever Flea is represented in movies, it, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. He was sitting in my lap the whole time, riveted. <gasps> he loves a movie cat, as he should. That's wonderful. So Flea is our honorary guest, but our real guest for this episode is culture writer and screenwriter Karen Hahn. Hello. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and also so excited to talk about this movie with you guys because, again, I think we're all going like fully feral. (laughs) (laughs) As Catwoman would want. Yeah, we're so excited that you sent us because we were... We reached out to Karen being like, hey, we want to do, you know, it's it's holiday movie block. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we've ever, like, 
brought this movie up even though it's overtly a holiday movie yeah Mm -hmm. i mean the thing i think just because like the iconography of catwoman and the penguin are so strong like you tend to forget that there is it's like christmas in gotham and also i feel like they forgot about that again as you say like they put it out in summer basically they were i think they were like we'll have our like superhero tent pull but then it's like oh it's like actually a christmas movie Mm -hmm. but i mean that's now when i watch it i will watch it when it's cold yeah, yeah, right. It feels like that's how people view it now. And it's also mm-hmm. like such an, it's like an anti-Christmas movie too. Oh, it's so fun. It's mm-hmm. a perfect film. It, <laughs> it just gets better every time I watch it. It really does. So what's your relationship, your history with the movie, Karen? I, well, it came out the year I was born. So I did not watch mm-hmm. it in theaters or around the time when it debuted. But I, I watched it sometime in the last 10 years, which I know is not a super specific time frame. Uh, but that said, it must have been post like Nolan Batman. Um, because I know like mm-hmm. I started, I watched these like after I saw the Christian Bale movie. But then watching this, I was like, holy cannoli. Like this is really, <laughs> really good. And also mm-hmm. this and the, the Batman that, precedes it with Jack Nicholson at the Joker. It's just Mm. like, there's so much great stuff going on in both movies Mm -hmm. that it's kind of shocking. And I was saying this to Caitlin before we recorded that it's like, I can't imagine any exec greenlining this movie today. Like you would describe Mm -hmm. some of the elements and be like, no, 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 we can't do that. That's too silly or that's too on the nose or that's just weird. But that's what makes this movie so fun and so Mm -hmm. memorable. Mm -hmm. It rocks. I'm realizing this is the third Batman movie we've covered on the podcast because we did the 19, is it 89 Batman? Like six Uh years ago, Mm -hmm. one of our first episodes. It was a really long time ago. I was was like, (laughs) how did I see this movie originally? I was like, oh, it was literally for this show. The show's been on for a hundred years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh (laughs) And then we've covered The Dark Knight Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And so this is our, this is our third Batman episode and... I'm not mad about it. I mean, if there's one thing about Batman movies, it's that there's 500 million of them, there's whether you so like it or not. And I like a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, Jamie, what's your relationship with Batman Returns? So, I had not seen this movie before. That's so exciting. It was really... Um, I have had a hell of a couple of days just, like, watching this movie uh, <laughs> two and a half times. Uh, I, I really... Yeah, I, I really loved it. I feel like every time I say I haven't seen a popular movie... I'd like to remind Bechtel cast listeners that when we started this show, a big thrust of the premise was that Caitlin has seen a lot of movies and I had not seen a lot of movies. <laughs> Over mm-hmm. the years, we it doesn't come up as much, but um, there's right. still, it's, it's, I still haven't seen a lot of movies. Um, but this, I, yeah, I'd never seen it before, but I, I really enjoyed the first Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, it's great. I knew that this was like hailed as like one of the best superheroes slash just sequels in general. And yeah, I totally agree with you, Karen. Like it's, I don't know, like this is like Tim Burton allowed to like Tim Burton out at the peak of his Tim Burton-ness yeah. with like the biggest budget possible. And yeah. I just... But the thing is like, he nails it. Yeah. He nails like, it. It's yeah. so... Uh, it was really... I think that like, I mean, and this is not an original observation by a long shot, but it's it's so like fun to watch a superhero movie that's like fun to watch and you kind of forget that Mm -hmm. they were supposed to be fun to watch. And I like (laughs) a lot of like serious superhero movies. Like I enjoyed, you know, Robert Pattinson, Batman, but it's not, I wasn't laughing, Mm -mm. you know, (laughs) and I wasn't supposed to be laughing, but like this was so fun and such a like cool Otori kind of movie. I loved all the behind the scenes stuff that was uh, 
going the fact on. That they had real penguins. <laughs> they have real penguins and animatronic penguins and people dressed up as penguins. <laughs> they had every kind of penguin. It's wild. It was so. <sighs> and then I read. Um, I just was like, how did we end up with the circus? I I had a theory, and then I fa- I checked it, and it was right. I was like, mm. I bet that Tim Burton was just like, I just want a circus because you're like a circus is very obviously not necessary to the plot Mm -hmm. and it was i guess that it it was originally written as a band of performance artists and tim burton's like that's gonna have to be a circus Mm. honey i won't do it without make them clowns it's gotta be backflipping clowns a lot of them are gonna have machine guns they wrote out santa with machine guns which would have been awesome Um, you can't win them all but yeah i just I fell in love with this movie a million percent. It's yes, so good. And also I brag, just saw Danny Elfman in concert a couple of weeks ago. Oh. So I was like triple pumped because I forgot how great the scores to his Batman movies oh, are. This, yeah. So good. He's such a weirdo in like the best way possible. And also like one of those composers where whenever you're listening, you're like, oh, that's Danny Elfman. Like he yeah. makes no effort, I think, to like blend in. He's just like, here it is. Here's Danny. And you're like, here's yes, Danny. He is. He, Danny Elfman loves a horn. He loves a French horn. And he loves it. I do too. <laughs> he loves one of those. Yeah. Uh, my second uh-huh. favorite Danny Elfman score right next to, of course, Spider-Man 2. Oh my God, oh, his best, too. obviously, his best, and the best superhero movie. I also wanted to say, I think this is the first time that I can say I'm following in Alfred Molina's footsteps to some degree, what? given that he was. Oh I think when when it was announced he... that he was going to be on this podcast, I like started crying, like I lost my <laughs> mind. Alfred Molina is our friend, and yeah, was a guest on this podcast, famously our esteemed Ugh, guest. Incredible. <laughs> Haven't heard from him since. Uh, but all good that's all right and we we soldier on uh, <laughs> but yeah i hadn't seen this movie before and i absolutely love it and i can't wait to introduce it into my holiday rotation oh yeah Ooh. yeah yeah caitlin what's your history with batman returns i saw it for the first time probably as a freshman in college mm-hmm. i was like oh there's all these batman movies i missed when i was a kid i gotta watch them and yeah. so i saw i watched all Four of the ones from the late 80s into the 90s. Um, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Batman Returns is easily my favorite one. And I would rank this probably my number two superhero movie of all time. Behind right what? Right behind uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, see, I would put it... I mean, Spider-Man 2 is always going to be number one for me. But this is like sure. top whatever. Yeah, top of the list. Top percentile. 10 yeah. out of 10 on Caitlin's rompometer. Because <laughs> Spider-Verse is kind of unbeatable in a way also. Yeah. But yeah, incredible movie. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. There's lots to discuss. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to dive in. <sighs> Beginning with why do they have a baby cage yeah. <laughs> at their house? <laughs> do you feel like so they big. like went onto Craigslist or like rich Craigslist or whatever and were like, we require a little baby cage if anyone knows where we could get one of those? Or they like hired someone to make it after uh, they saw that their baby had little webby hands? They called their go-to blacksmith. <laughs> They're like, hey. Yeah. They commissioned. <laughs> They've got a guy oh. for sure. Oh, They yeah. definitely have a guy. It scares me to think what rich people have access to. Yeah. But anyway. But this movie talks about that so much. This, mm-hmm. I was so surprised at how deep into like social commentary this in a way that like yeah I mean I guess I wouldn't say it doesn't feel 
it just like fits into the story very naturally in a way yeah. that sometimes I feel like it's not like a here's the moral of our story kind of thing. It's just like it's right. naturally baked it's into it, woven right in. Yeah, Oof. I love it. <sighs> so yeah, I love this movie. I'm so excited to talk about it. And um, should I do the recap and we'll go from there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's going to be a lot of interjections because every frame of this movie, <laughs> I have something. To, There's oh, something yeah. to be said about everything. Okay, so let's take a quick break first. Okay. And then we'll come back to recap. So we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. And we're back. I mean, it is wild to open your movie in the way that this one opens, where it's basically like a silent sequence of these two very rich people deciding that they don't want their baby anymore and then throwing it into the sewer. You've got a rich, gregnant lady yeah. screaming because her baby doesn't look the way she wants it to look. Yes. They put it in a cage. The baby eats a cat. And then they throw the baby in the river, mm-hmm. which is wildly as it was as the movie was going on. I was like, oh, my God, was the baby eating a cat foreshadowing 
of him oh. facing off with Catwoman? I think maybe so. Also, oh, I was like, genius. what is this? The creature from Shape of Water eating a cat? <laughs> wow. Well, Doug okay. Jones also in this movie, so. And if he's not, he should be. Um, okay, so we see this happen. Yeah. Then we cut to 33 years later. So Danny DeVito is supposed to be 33 in the movie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. That made me laugh. Actually, that's a really good point. Also, I can see my audio peaked like right as I left in that. That's a really good question. Big, big question. I guess penguin people age differently. Oh, yeah. He was like almost 50 already by the time yeah. this came out, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> if you live in the sewer, you age like a president. It is what it is. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Like, he's got a lot of city miles, a lot of road miles on him. Like, he's not lived an easy life. Mm -mm. No. I get it. He's had it rough. So, look, it it happens. Yeah. (laughs) Still really funny, though. (laughs) Yeah. So, he's he's dwelling in the sewers. People seem to know about him or there's rumors about his existence. This, you know, half man, half penguin person. It kind of had Phantom of the Opera vibes oh, to how they sure. talk about him. Yeah, absolutely. But like yeah. more charming in a way. Also, his whole, yeah. just his underground water layer is like straight out of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, in a different world, you're like, oh, I could I could see myself getting horny for the <laughs> penguin, you know? In a different world? I mean, in this in world. A, in this world. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of horny for Colin Farrell penguin, but only because I knew mm. who was in there. Yeah. Sure. Well, also like he was he was funny, like the funniest part of the movie, arguably. Yeah. yeah. When they show him like the crime scene pictures, he's like, oh, come on. I was like, hey. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of he kind of pasta meatballed out a little bit on uh, on that one. I liked it, but I do want to say I feel like I am like I am I I love I love this penguin. I would let him into my house, oh my no question. I would say yeah 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 absolutely. I I would I would vote for him for mayor. It well before the pivot, but not post pivot. Before the pivot, I uh, God, there's so many elements. I mean, and there's like stuff about the penguin that we definitely need to like talk about when when the moment comes. Sure, uh, but there's a lot to unpack. But the his whole like I think like coming off the L.A. mayoral race, you're like, oh yeah, just a guy trying to buy the seat of mayor, um, and <laughs> almost like- <laughs> doing it. And I was like, is this gonna be Rick Caruso's pivot? I kind of just hope he goes back to building malls. Literally, why I watched this with my partner last night, and he was like, oh, like I would vote for the Penguin over Rick Caruso. And I was like, you're right, I would do honestly. <laughs> At least he's got a story. Yeah, he's you know, much like, more sympathetic, right? And he's not like rich brain pilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's he's so quick to go back to the zoo. Ultimately, <laughs> his loyalties lie with the zoo. The zoo, a problematic entity all its own, but who knows it's that true, better than the true. penguin? Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. like, uh, uh, I guess I assume he's like freed all the penguins that work for him. Like, uh, I mean, liberated them unclear. from the zoo, right? I think yeah, so. Yeah, but then he uses them as pawns in his little, um, That's true. you know, destroy Gotham scheme. I am very conflicted about this because he does that, but only arguably in a moment of extreme desperation. And then he is really like caring of them. And then they are very caring of him in turn. Like they become, they true. know to do like, oh shit, we got to be pallbearers now. And like they know to <laughs> do know. that. I that scene makes me cry. I'm not like it's sad. 100 yeah. percent seriously, it makes me cry. They make the animatronic penguins frown. I paused it. I was like, "How is this penguin <laughs> frowning? This is wild." Like, yeah, I thought that was like the penguin. I was unclear. I was like, the penguins kind of have 
like some minions vibes where you're like, oh my gosh, they just are like invested. <laughs> rude to the penguin. He's their Gru. But I understand where you're coming he's, from. He's Gru. Is that what he's? You said? Their, I'm just always looking for who's the Gru of the movie. He's their Gru. <laughs> the Gru test. I mean, all throughout my recap is just full of minions references. So oh, thank God. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, terrific. <gasps> cool, cool, cool. Okay, sorry, sorry for uh, derailing immediately. <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts about the penguin specifically. We'll get to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll wait. <laughs> We'll be so good. (laughs) No worries. Okay. So then we meet Selena Kyle, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, who is the assistant to a prominent businessman and like energy mogul, Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken. And now my blood pressure is skyrocketing. You're just like, oh, (laughs) because there's a character named Shrek. My favorite quote that, because I was like, okay. You know, look, Shrek culture, it's come, it's gone. It's come back. Shrek culture. But my favorite one was, it's nice to see you out in the real world away from Shrek. And I'm like, I feel like I could relate with that. People should say, <laughs> I wish someone would say that to me. That, I would go on a date with them. That said, this is an extremely Shrekian movie. Oof. We got Shrek. We got minions. We got, yeah. We got it all. We got clowns. There's so much. What don't we have? Mm. Okay, so Max Shrek gives Uh a speech to the people of Gotham during a Christmas tree lighting event, Mm -hmm. but he's interrupted when a bunch of goons or minions think about that aka the red triangle gang you need to get like a a minion soundboard (laughs) (laughs) like whenever you mention it you just just, it's like not the air horn noise but i actually don't really know what minions sound like but anyway (gasps) oh well what don't they sound like that's a good question you know banana and bellow bellow banana (laughs) etc um i I, i'm learning so much (laughs) it's it's like the time of year the holidays uh you're like oh my spotify wrapped list is gonna really bum me out soon mine's always like horrendous so bad right like it's if you're proud enough to share it it's you don't have an interior life it should be really embarrassing (laughs) i feel like yeah i definitely share it like for public shaming purposes Yeah, yeah right Mm-hmm. As a way of holding yourself accountable. <laughs> yeah, here's what I did, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's <sighs> it's very possible because I played it a lot as a joke and then it's such a short track that it comes on a lot. Oh no. But there's a track on my like go-to playlist that's the um the minions singing the universal theme song. Where they go ba 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 it's so funny but i think i probably listened to it 300 times this year that'll do it oh god a few years ago my most played song was the the lonesome cowboy credit song from toy story 4 because oh. <laughs> i genuinely was like this is a good song what happened then, to like, you that year that you were nothing in particular <laughs> really and i th- but i also think that once i had stepped away from my computer and left it on repeat without knowing it so that did jack mm. up the numbers but that's not to say that i didn't sure. listen to it a lot because i definitely did yeah Ooh, i gotta really i gotta revisit it i can't conjure what does it sound like he was a lonesome cowboy mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful mm-hmm. I'm, cr- I'm crying there it is <laughs> I'm getting teary-eyed. It's all about making friends. Yeah, <laughs> I've never sounded okay. worse on a podcast. <laughs> Disagree. No, this is this is raw and uncut. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. It's uncut gems right here. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So the minions, so Penguin's minions yep. show up to wreak havoc on the city. So the city lights up the bat signal to summon Batman, of course, played by Michael Keaton, who shows up and stops the minions. He also saves Selena Kyle, who is being terrorized by one of the minions. Uh, now, I know I said that we would be so good during the rest of your recaps, but number one, I pointed this out again to Caitlin before the before recording already. But I wore my Michael Keaton shirt specifically for this recording. <gasps> There's his Hello. face. Hello, it's oh, really great good. pick of him. Um, and also the shot of him when the bat signal is lit is like one of the best shots I've ever seen where it goes off on the wall of Wayne Manor and then like he stands up in front of it and you're like ah, it's just so good it's, it's so, so good. good amazing it also reminded I was like oh yeah superhero stories like it's fun when they're very simple too because you're mm. like what is Bruce Wayne in the middle of doing is he just like hoping that someone will commit a crime <laughs> yeah. so he has something to do he's like, just sitting there <laughs> He's just hanging out. There's not a light on in the room. There's no evidence as to him having hobbies. No. Mm-hmm. No. I think that that's a beautiful... I was like, let me give the script way too much credit and be like, well, maybe that's them saying that, uh, you know, billionaires have no interior life. <laughs> <laughs> They're all essentially sitting in a dark room at all times. Wow. I mean, yeah, I think you're right, but... Who am I to cast stones? I also do that. Look, so Mark, yeah, it's true. It's like, yeah, people of all classes yeah. can sit in a dark room. <laughs> it's very uh, egalitarian. Yeah, it's a great equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So during this <laughs> havoc that the minions are unleashing, Max Shrek is kidnapped by the Penguin, who of course is played by Danny DeVito, and he is mad at Shrek for polluting the city. And he blackmails Shrek into helping uh, Penguin. So hard not to make a Shrek joke. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's making Gotham his swamp. Yes, mm-hmm. he really is. Yeah, Gotham is getting a bit swampy. Mm-hmm. Who's Don? Shrek doesn't really. I think part of the. I think his his son his is son, the closest Chip donkey. Is donkey equivalent. is his donkey? Yeah. <gasps> he is kind of his donkey, <laughs> right. which makes it even more amazing when Shrek is like. Take Don't me take instead. him, Penguin. Take me. Yeah, it lends new depths to the motion picture Shrek now. Exactly. Shrek would totally do that for Donkey also. He would. He has. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> we have evidence. Okay. Also, I, I have to say, I love how talkative Flea is. And he has such oh. a cute voice. It's so sweet. Thank you. Oh, well, he knows that Catwoman's about to appear on screen yeah flea loves to chat he loves to he loves to weigh in and he knows that uh this is a good time has he always been a very talkative cat yeah i've never i've only had like mostly coincidentally i've i've had three black cats in my lifetime and i've never had one that made any noise Mm. and flea is so loud (laughs) always has been he's a he's a screamer that's wonderful (laughs) Okay, so Penguin blackmails Shrek into helping him figure out his backstory. He wants to know where he came from, who his parents were, what his real name is, and he no longer wants to be seen as a monster. Meanwhile, Selina has to go back to the office where she discovers dirt on Shrek and all of his shady business stuff. And just then, Shrek shows up and realizes Selena knows all of this incriminating information about him. So, do you think he wants her to get out of his swamp? <laughs> <There>. <laughs> he's, 
he kind of shows up and he's like get out of my swamp exactly yeah 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 by throwing at the beginning of shrek one exactly yes (laughs) and he gets her out of his swamp by throwing her out of a window that scene is awesome Ooh. Mm -hmm. so she falls to the ground she is lying there presumably dead but then a bunch of street cats and i like to think that they are you know, Rum Tum Tugger, Bustopher Jones, <laughs> Magical wow. Mr. Mistopheles. It's a crossover. Mm-hmm. Wow. Every bed. Wow. We really, everyone showed up. <laughs> I'm as a Skimbleshanks girly. I, but I maybe he comes later when there's a random circus train in the middle of Gotham because mm. he is the railway cat. He has a job. <laughs> I love Skimbleshanks is a union man. Yeah. I love him. okay so these cats from the movie cats seem to bring (laughs) selena back to life Mm. she returns home she's chugging milk she's throwing away her stuffed animals she makes a new outfit because guess what she's catwoman now she ruins her dollhouse question mark yes (laughs) she makes it goth i was watching this and i was like i do think like every woman goes through this at some point in her life Mm -hmm. it's like you either become goth or you become emo it's like you become like adjacent to the Mm. to that scene every woman goes through this (laughs) every single woman she turns her hello there sign into hell here i cheered oh iconic i cheered so good there's so much fun like little plants and payoffs in this Mm -hmm. movie that you're just like who thought of that it's the production i forget the production designers like the tim burton guy it's bo Mm. something i'll look it up yeah Okay, so she's becoming Catwoman. Meanwhile, Penguin stages a situation where he saves a kidnapped baby at a public event so that he can save it and be seen as a hero by the people of Gotham, which works, and everyone loves Penguin now. Mm -hmm. And he goes to City Hall or whatever, and he learns that his real name is Oswald Cobblepot, He learns who his parents were, but he's like, I forgive them for what they did to me. And so people continue to sympathize with him. But Bruce Wayne slash Batman, who, by the way, we're like 36-ish minutes into the movie. And it's only at this point when he actually starts to become a character. Because prior to that, he's barely in the movie. He's kind of like not in the movie very much. (laughs) And it doesn't... I know that like that was... Yeah, I mean, I get why that was like a criticism of the movie at the time, but in retrospect, you're like, well, I, I, <laughs> he's sort of the most boring person. It works 100%. And also, like, I don't know, that's the fun thing about his. Michael Keaton is also a weird choice for Batman, but like one that I love and 100% back, but mm-hmm. like, he's like a little awkward. He doesn't have mm-hmm. like the leading man features that I feel like everyone else they want Batman to have. Yeah. Even just like thinking about Batman, the previous movie where like the joker's goons or whatever come to his house and he's like you want to get crazy let's get do you mean the joker's minions you're correct yes the minions (laughs) uh banana they come to his house and then he like has this moment where he's also being like very kind of aggressive towards them which is not i think like you never see batman in other movies being like uncool but he so is as michael keaton Mm -hmm. and like the whole first scene or the second scene where he meets Selena and he is just totally tripping over his words just because he's instantly like, oh, she's like, mm-hmm. she's hot. I have to talk to her. It's so good. Yeah. It's I, I and again, it's like it, it like in a modern context, like scans more with like how a weird guy with too much money would probably act. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Right. I love you alive, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so so Bruce slash Batman, he does not buy this whole, like, Penguin is a sympathetic character thing. He thinks Penguin is up to no good. Meanwhile, Catwoman goes out on the streets and starts being a vigilante, not hero exactly, because Catwoman is famously sort of a good guy and sort of a bad guy. Maybe that's over oversimplifying. We will talk about her at length. But she blows up a store, but it's like empty. Yeah. It's empty and it's Shrek's store. So yeah. we're like, exactly. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I guess that was a victimless crime. That's <laughs> fine. So Catwoman is on the streets now. The next day, she shows up to work as Selina, and Shrek is surprised to see her back in his swamp because he thought he killed her. <laughs> yeah, he thought he drowned her in the swamp. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, shockingly unconcerned that a woman who has fallen a significant distance out of a window is just, like, back and not talking about that. And he says something like, well, if she tries to blackmail me, I'll push her out of a higher window, yeah. but... Until then, I have better fish to fry. Yeah, it's like, I don't think you do. (laughs) The Shrekian logic here is kind of all over because it's like, okay, so he didn't check to make sure she had died. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if he looked out the window two minutes after that, he'd see her body being swarmed by cats, Mm -hmm. which is highly unusual. (laughs) But, you know, he's a he's a careless guy. So I was like, okay, whatever. But like there are things that happen throughout the movie that you just think is going to get a big reaction from him. And he just does not blink, such as when Penguin bites someone's nose off. He's like, yeah, he's like, come over here. Let's sidebar. And I was like, oh, my God. He just like does not. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but I was like, yeah, sometimes his reactions to things, I was like, well, I thought that that would have mattered more to you. I think the nose biting is especially funny because everyone else freaks out and it's (laughs) only Christopher Walken who's like, all right, whatever. He literally takes him aside. He's like, I think we should run you for mayor. I was like, did you just see what happened? It's really funny. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so Selena is back at work and she meets Bruce Wayne, who is there for a meeting because Shrek wants Bruce to help fund his new power plant, which is actually not a power plant. It's going to suck energy out of Gotham rather than generating energy. Anyway, he they meet and there seems to be a spark between Bruce and Selena. And then meanwhile, Shrek is trying to have Oswald Cobblepot run for mayor because the current mayor of Gotham is trying to stop Shrek's bogus power plant, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But they need a catalyst to drive out the current mayor. Some kind of like city crisis. So mm-hmm. Penguin's minions unleash more chaos on the streets. Which is basically just like assert. They just like militarize <laughs> the clowns or the penguins. <laughs> Anytime they need shit to get stirred up, they're like, all right, all right, we're just going to give the penguins guns and people will not know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's true. They don't know what to do. And it's true. They panic. Yeah. Yeah. So the the clown gymnasts are flipping around and just causing chaos. It's great. Separately, Catwoman is wreaking her own havoc on the city. She This is when she blows up Shrek's department store. Mm-hmm. Then Batman and Catwoman have like a face-to-face for the first time. They fight for a bit. They then Catwoman... Lick each... I mean, well, she licks... <laughs> It's like a very sexually charged movie. Oh my, it is the horniest movie I've ever seen. There's like a scene where he says like, I'm hard. Like, (laughs) you're just. There are a number of times where I'm pretty sure 
she puts her hand on his penis mm-hmm. and he's just like, mm-hmm, all right. <laughs> I wonder if that's a ratings thing where it's like you can imply that her hand is there, but if he reacts to it, then you're getting a hard R. <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> Not sure. Who knows? <laughs> I I didn't hate it. But again, very, very horny movie. And for younger me, definitely I was like, oh, wow. Like, what is going on mm-hmm. here? <laughs> mm-hmm. So then Catwoman goes to Penguin to be like, hey, help me get rid of Batman. And Penguin's like, sounds great. He's horned up. Oh, yeah. He's... There's that scene that ends with like, I mean, because it's like as the movie goes on, Catwoman's um, horniness just they just keep kind of cranking it up and up and up and up yeah to be Mm -hmm. fair they're also doing that for Penguin like everyone's getting hornier Hornier. as it goes on but like Catwoman's becoming a very you know like specific kind of horny but there's a scene Mm -hmm. that ends with her licking herself and (laughs) Penguin just sitting on the bed going like (laughs) yeah just being horny he's been in the sewer for 33 years as we now know Mm -hmm. like we don't know how much action he's been getting, but I mm. have to assume it's not that much. And if you've been down there for 33 years and this is all you're thinking about, I think he's justified. It really is <sighs> Phantom of the Opera vibes in that regard yeah. as well. We are just like, like mm. I need a girlfriend, finally. <laughs> <laughs> he does sort yeah. of, uh, in, in a future scene, he is kind of going like R slash incel a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he he's a Selena. complete full on predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. Okay, so Catwoman wants to get rid of Batman. But she, as Selina, goes on a date with Bruce, neither of them knowing about the other's alter ego. Mm-hmm. They're chatting. They're talking about duality. They're, like, basically telling each other <laughs> who they secretly are. Mm-hmm. Um, then Selina lunges at Bruce to kiss him. They're making out. But then Bruce has to leave abruptly because Penguin is trying to frame Batman for kidnapping the Ice Princess during the the new Christmas tree lighting ceremony since the other one got ruined. Um, right. By clowns. By, clown, by, by clowns. clown gymnasts. But don't worry. This next one will also be ruined by, <laughs> by the same people. <laughs> So Bruce puts on his bat suit and heads Gotham downtown. Sucks so hard. It's what a horrible place to live. It also like feels like it's perpetually in nighttime almost. Like I know yeah. logically that there are daytime shots, but it's just anyway. It's always under the cover of darkness. I also appreciate that at one point the mayor is like, "Yeah, I know that you citizens of Gotham probably think that you know, these streets are really fucked up and scary, but don't worry. <laughs> Your elected officials and law enforcement have everything under control. And it's like, no, you don't. You're attacked by clowns mm-hmm. every other day. How well could these public services be doing? They're, mm-hmm. The way that Gotham looks, I think of like all the Batman franchises I've seen. I think, I mean, I've seen like one from every whatever but this is mm-hmm. my favorite gotham visually because i love mm-hmm. the nolan movies but it does kind of just look like chicago right i like them for that reason though like i do mm-hmm. think this is still my favorite gotham but i i'm very sentimental watching the nolan gothams because i like grew up a lot in illinois and i'm like oh there it oh. is <laughs> like, oh that's the best nice i was like maybe if gotham looked a little more like boston i wouldn't be so critical because <laughs> every movie has to be made for me specifically <laughs> I mean, I do feel like you would feel very differently about it if Gotham looked like Boston. I would actually be so thrilled. <laughs> Have either of you seen The Menu? Not yet. Not yet, but I do want to. A spoiler alert, there's a character from my home 
Town. Oh, Brockton. amazing. Yeah. Although I couldn't really suspend my disbelief to believe that Anya Taylor-Joy could be from my hometown. <laughs> there's, I was like, mm, I don't think that there's beautiful people like that in Brockton. But um, but you came from Brockton. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie, you're beautiful. I, well, I'm not I'm not Anya Taylor-Joy's swan neck uh, defeating <laughs> Ralph Fiennes at a restaurant beautiful. But, you know, who is? Who is but her? It's true. She is like an alien. She is. She mm. is a gorgeous alien. I really love her. Yeah, she came from a different, like the Sailor Moon planet or something. <laughs> it's. I do appreciate her. Her even being fictionally connected to Brockton. It's an honor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a there was a show a while ago that was specifically set in the town in Illinois that I mostly grew up in, but they didn't <gasps> shoot any of it there and didn't really make an attempt to make it look like it. Not mm. that there's that much going for my hometown in Illinois, but every I remember. Everyone that I like went to high school with, we were like watching the trailer. We were like, "What the hell is this? Like, this is not <laughs> at all. This doesn't look like our hometown at all." Anyway. Rude. Brockton gets constantly disrespected because <laughs> of like there have been like some movies shot sequences there, uh-huh. but it's only like, oh, we need somewhere that looks like it sucks and is not safe. <laughs> so there were like a lot of key scenes from Catherine Bigelow's dumpster fire of a movie Detroit was shot on the streets of Brockton because they're like we just need a place that looks like it just blew up and so then they shot it in Brockton rude Adam McKay shot some of the scenes where like Timothy Chalamet is hanging out with his dumpster friends and don't look up in Brockton I'm just like (laughs) no no fucking respect oh unbelievable that's so funny (laughs) they're like okay dumpster sequence where can we go (laughs) like what the fuck Okay, so the second tree lighting ceremony is being interrupted by clowns. So Bruce puts on his bat suit and heads downtown to save the day. But Catwoman shows up and she and Penguin successfully frame Batman for murdering the Ice Princess. So now everyone hates Batman. Which is a pity because she seems nice. She seems very Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Also, there's a sequence where Penguin hijacks the Batmobile. Amazing And sequence. he's like crashing it into things. But then Batman regains control of his vehicle. He's like um, doing it from like an arcade. It's Batmobile. Great. It's really fun. It's really, really cute. It's awesome. Then Penguin is able to gain more power and popularity with his mayoral campaign. But while he's giving a speech, Bruce Wayne slash Batman leaks some audio where Penguin is talking about how he's playing this stinking city like a harp from hell. And so everyone turns on Penguin and hates him now. So he returns to the sewer to plot his revenge. This is where he goes from semi-successful mayoral run (laughs) to I'm going to kill everyone's firstborn son in about two minutes. I think he could have recovered. The the campaign could have recovered. I mean, it reminded me of, like, honestly, some key moments in the Trump campaign. Seriously. I was saying the exact same thing. (sighs) Yeah. It reminded me. I was like, that. well, there is his Billy Bush tape, basically. Mm -hmm. And against uh, (laughs) all odds. Yeah. He was famous the president we don't need to talk about oh it. so penguin's campaign tanked but <laughs> trump's won't what's going on makes here? you think <laughs> okay so while We're that's all about penguin rights in this chat <laughs> 
So while Penguin is plotting his plan to kill a bunch of babies. To go very uh, plagues of Egypt with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. While that's happening, Bruce and Selena go to this masquerade party, uh, although it's called a Max Masquerade party because it's Max Shrek's party. Um, get it? Get it? <laughs> it's a real stretch. It's hard. <laughs> it's a mouthful. When he walks in, they're playing an instrumental of Super Freak. Super Freak. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's but awesome. also the impl- implication that Super Freak like exists in this universe, mm-hmm. which I'm glad to know that it does. Yeah. I wonder if it only existed as an instrumental. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Could be. Um, Okay, so they're dancing, and Selena is telling Bruce about how she's there to kill Shrek. She said, no more swamp. No, I'm going to drain this swamp, she says. (laughs) (laughs) And then they both say something that makes Selena realize that Bruce is Batman, and he realizes Mm -hmm. that she is Catwoman. Um, So they're like, oh my god, what do we do now? But just then, Penguin launches his attack. He shows up. He kidnaps Max Shrek again. Classic. Well, <laughs> as a second choice. He loves well, to repeat he, a bit. He tries to kidnap Chip, but then Shrek is like, no, don't hurt my donkey. Take me instead. <laughs> <laughs> Not my donkey. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that Chip had gotten to talk there. You could be like, mm. dad, let him take me. I can't do Christopher Walken, but like. Honestly, like his Christopher Walken impression is shockingly good. Like it's just subtle enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was that guy? He killed it. I don't know. Anyways. He like used to be in MMA or something was my impression. Oh, uh, Andrew Brynjarski. He is an American actor and former bodybuilder, best known for portraying Leatherface in the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Whoa, Zangief wild. in Street Fighter, and Steve Latimer in the program, and obviously uh, Chip in Batman Returns. His yeah. most iconic role. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wild. Okay. So while that's happening, Penguin's minions are stealing babies all over Gotham. But Batman stops this somehow. I didn't even catch how he's able to stop that. But that he puts an end to it. So Penguin sends out all of his little penguins, like literal <laughs> penguin birds, mm-hmm. with rockets strapped to them to blow up Gotham. Mm-hmm. And I would classify this scene as a bit of a march of the penguins. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, a bit of happy feet marching out onto the okay. streets of Gotham. Yes. And I think that's all the Penguin movies. I think we did it. Well, there's also surf, Surf's Up. Is that what it's called? Surfing Penguins? Oh, I forgot about that. Madagascar has penguins in it. They are not the main right? characters, oh but they God. feature prominently. It's true. Yeah, really famous penguins. Yeah, they got their own spinoff, right? I thought yeah. so. Yeah. My little cousin loved that show. <laughs> The Madagascar movie is okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't revisited it in a while, but I, I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. The second one does a polka cover of New York, New York, which is one of my favorite versions of it. Like, not ironically. It's very really? good. And that's yeah. going to show up on your Spotify end of year <laughs> it list this is. year. It probably has already. <laughs> Full disclosure. Yeah. Um, okay, so... There's a March of the Penguins, but Batman shows up. He jams their signal and reroutes their GPSs to send them back to Penguin's Mm -hmm. sewer layer. Penguin escapes. Batman catches up with him. They fight. Rockets start going off. Meanwhile, Catwoman fights with Shrek in the Penguin layer. Mm -hmm. She's trying to kill him. 
but batman shows up and he's like no let's put him in jail and he's trying to like appeal to her humanity he's like we could be together batman was pissing me off in that scene i was like leave her alone let her finish him seriously i totally agree and also like takes the very ill-advised tack of saying her real name and then taking off his mask in front of Max Schreck in order to try to convince her. And what? I was like, if anything, that makes the case for killing him even stronger. Exactly. <laughs> like, he can't be out there. No. It no. is really funny, though, when Shrek is like, why is Bruce Wayne dressed up as Batman? Mm-hmm. Catwoman's like, because he is, you moron. <laughs> oh, it's good. Anyway, so Catwoman kills Shrek via electrocution and then mm-hmm. presumably scurries off with one life left of her nine lives. Mm-hmm. Penguin shows up. He's dying. He dies. So sad. And then his little penguins drag him into the water. So sad. And Karen's crying. I I do cry every time he dies in this movie. Like, this is not a joke. Like, yeah, I cry I at his death scene every time. Yeah, it is sad. They give him, like, a real proper tragic hero or not tragic yeah. villain send off when mm-hmm. he pulls the umbrella out and it's and he's like oh pick the cute one again and then just falls over i was like oh he's an angel he so... <laughs> got he should they should just give him absolutely the just give it to him he's such a good actor and i feel like we all forget that because he's so good at being like funny and weird right. and like it's always sunny and stuff and posting his feet to twitter <laughs> but he's such a good actor he's so and this performance amazing. is incredible he's amazing yeah um okay so then the movie ends with bruce he's driving around with alfred he thinks he sees catwoman in an alley he gets out he finds her cat which looks exactly like flea by the way Mm -hmm. he takes it home so that like we said alfred can take care of it it. and then bruce wayne (laughs) says merry christmas alfred goodwill toward men and women and then we go oh we're like feminist icon he nibbled a little bit there wow (laughs) it is a really funny final line it's so so funny funny. and then you see catwoman in and then you know like if because we live in the future that she never comes back and it's setting Mm -hmm. you up for a movie that never happens yeah Mm -hmm. okay let's take another quick break and we will come back to discuss Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. And we're back. Karen, where would you like to begin? Uh, uh, oh, that's such a good question. Um, no I don't know. There's so much to talk about. I mean, I guess we'll start with the penguin because he's fresh on my mind. Where mm. I just love him so much. I would, I would give him a little kiss. <laughs> I don't mind that. He's perfect. The main <laughs> conversation to be had about him is it pertains to our show and the analysis we do here is. Um, the physical othering and ableism that is present in mm. his character, yeah. even though no specific disability is referenced when it comes mm-hmm. to his character. And I'm pretty sure that having penguin-like features, to my knowledge, is not a real thing. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the the syndactyly or what is it with his hands, I think, is the real thing. But obviously, mm. again, they don't put like a name to any of what's going on right right Right. even so a villain in a movie having atypical physical features and looking different from everybody else is just inherently ableist and in this case i would say also fat phobic because danny devito is wearing a fat suit as the penguin character so there's just all of this again physical othering of his character but this movie does something interesting that i feel like a lot of movies don't do when it comes to physically othered movie villains where the movie will other the villain in some way usually with like very ableist under and overtones but it's usually not something that impacts the story or the character mm-hmm. it's just like a trait yeah. that exists in a void for that character but penguin's whole thing is that he was discarded by his parents yeah. because he was physically different which led to a lifetime of isolation and resentment and longing which turned him into the villain that he is right Right. so you have this character who's like affected by everyone in the community being ableist toward him yeah and yes it does turn him into a villain i don't know i don't know what to make of it exactly but it's it's tough i think like especially for the time period like it feels pretty forward in that respect where again like the fact that he looks the way he does is not 
supposed to indicate that he's a villain. Like, I think especially because of the way that Tim Burton uses iconography, like everyone looks a little bit weird. Yeah, Um, sure. But and especially as you were sort of saying in the Penguins case, like he is like this specifically because everyone else discriminates against him because of the way he looks. So Mm -hmm. it's not there as a storytelling shortcut or anything like that. It's not there in the sense of like, I think it's discussed the most with like Bond villains where there's always some kind of physical deformity that mm-hmm. has no bearing on their personality but just means look at them, they're evil. Which right. is not the case here. And I also feel like the depths, again the fact that Danny DeVito is such a good and empathetic actor like goes a really long yeah. way towards selling that point. Because mm-hmm. like then they, they have those, the direct like rips from the Alpha Man where at first like when he's being reintegrated into society he's like I'm not a penguin like I'm a man I have a name mm-hmm. and then when they reject him because of the tape and also I think because of inherent bias he's like I'm not a man I'm a monster and mm-hmm. it's like again it's because of the outside influences that he is Mm -hmm. doing these bad things more so than that being like an inherent part of his personality yeah right i yeah i i like was it it is like a tricky i mean it's like a tricky topic yeah to take on in any regard and it's like so present in comic books in general that Mm -hmm. i appreciate it like even though it's like certainly not like a perfect attempt to address it but like i thought it was like like you were saying caitlin and an int- like it, it was trying to give context to like mm-hmm. he is not a villain because of how he looks he is a villain because of how society treats him because of how yeah. he looks mm-hmm. and yeah you know it, it was interesting and and i don't know what <laughs> no actually we'll come back to it My, i lost it mm-hmm. um oh i also i <laughs> saw some reads it's tricky because it's like i certainly see and like can acknowledge a lot of the ableism that's built into the character yeah and then there's also moments where it's like they're just trying to make him look more like a penguin and (laughs) so it's like two things kind of are happening at once Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i uh saw that at the time of this movie's release and and rightfully so i mean and we've talked about uh anti-semitic tropes and villains Mm -hmm. a number of times and i think that yeah um some of those are certainly present in the penguin as well for sure Uh, point that didn't register with me was like here is a uh, villain who's being given anti-semitic styling who is determined mm-hmm. to steal babies around Christmas. And you're like, huh. oh, mm-hmm. uh, yep, <laughs> that is certainly what's happening. Um, so, I, yeah. yeah, I think that it's like, I totally agree with you, Karen. I think like Danny DeVito's performance is like so much of like what humanizes this character. I like yeah. that you get so much context into why he is the way he is. Yeah, Danny DeVito's so perfect. It's hard. He's perfect. And uh, Danny DeVito, I think, again, not to keep just talking about his performance, but the fact that he never plays Oswald like a joke goes a long, 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 long way towards this kind of coming off better, I guess, because I think Mm -hmm. you could very easily play it as like, oh, he's so funny and weird. Look at him. But I don't think he ever plays it that way in the Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The thing that puts me off Mm -hmm. about him the most as far as his like, villainous qualities is his like predatory like sexual predatory yeah. behavior <laughs> where like he says stuff like oh i'd like to fill her void yeah. and he just like is actively groping people and sexually harassing them i viewed that though i didn't view that as like tying into anything that had to do with his physical appearance i viewed that yeah. as like him getting corrupted by 
power the second he gets a little bit of power because mm-hmm. that's like what I, I think is like the coolest part about his character is like he at the beginning it's like you can totally see like he wants to fuck over Gotham because he's been so thoroughly rejected and isolated from the society he should have been growing up in but then yeah. the second he gets a little taste of power he immediately is like horrible to everybody mm-hmm. uh, in all the expected ways which I think is like an awesome whatever it's a it's a it's a it's a good arc. We know we know this arc. Sure. Um, oh, that was what I was thinking. It was uh, earlier. Was I feel like I mean, and there's plenty of criticisms of Tim Burton. I wasn't even going to get into them today, really, because we've talked mm-hmm. about them in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like something that he dealt with well in in a lot of examples, especially in this like era of his, is like taking an othered character and building them out to be someone that you can empathize with even Mm -hmm. if ultimately they're like doing the wrong thing and so for like 1992 it's like yeah I guess like the penguin in Tim Burton and Mark Waters hands because this was written by the guy who wrote Heathers um Mm -hmm. like you've got two I thought it was Daniel Waters oh sorry Daniel Waters Mark Waters is his brother who directed Mean Girls right Ah. Right. yeah whole waters dynasty situation yeah apparently but uh yeah daniel waters wrote heathers uh tim burton liked heathers and he liked that uh daniel waters had no knowledge about batman Mm -hmm. um and didn't care about batman canon and like it just like we're two people who were known for dealing with humanizing misfits well yeah and Mm -hmm. so for 1992, I think that they did a pretty good job, but I also, you know, totally understand all of the criticisms around the Penguin as well. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know. It is very of its time in a way. Like, even thinking about the, uh, like, phone sales at, uh, calls that Selena gets where they're like, ooh, if you wear this at the office, your boss is going to invite you to stay late. Like, mm-hmm. it's so gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Max's whole treatment of her. And then even to an extent, like Bruce, where he's just like, he sees her and he's like, oh, that woman's hot. I want to talk to her more. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I, I, it's rare. And maybe it doesn't even happen for a man to come into contact with Selena and not immediately say something, even though like I yeah, think like the most yeah. egregious thing is like the two security guards are like, yeah. I don't know if I should arrest her or ask <laughs> for her. in love her. with her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just like, oh, my God. Like, OK, you can blow up those guys. And then she's like, <laughs> you're paid too much. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, kills them. Um, also, uh, watching her is very cathartic. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, Penguin turns on Catwoman the second she's like, yeah, I don't want to have sex with you or marry you. And he says, and I quote, you lousy minx, I ought to have you spayed. You sent out all the signals and I don't think I like you anymore. And then he tries to kill her. Has her air lifted out of the sea? I mean, it's an incredible, incredible way to get someone out of your life. But also, like, he has no little to no social interaction with people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to write off the behavior. Like, you should not behave that way towards anybody. Right. But anyway. But that, no, I agree. I think that that's, like, part of why this character is, like, kind of endured in spite of, like, all this stuff is, like. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I complain about modern movie villains a lot. And, like, the movie doesn't <laughs> go out of its way to, like, redeem the penguin yeah like he's still a villain Mm -hmm. but you also know enough about him that you do feel a little bit bad or or in karen's case are full on crying um (laughs) when he does die because it's like well no like he you know 
grew up extremely disadvantaged. He was raised by penguins. He's not interacted <laughs> with people. Um, you know, he's dying yeah. a very horny virgin. Like, there's a lot of things <laughs> that he lost. The mayoral, mayoral campaign. His dad was Pee Wee Herman. Like, he has a lot of baggage. Oh, wait. His dad is played by Paul Rubens? Yep. Yeah. <gasps> I did not. And Karen wasn't lying. Doug Jones is in this movie. He plays yes, a clown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's the tall. He's the, the quote unquote thin clown. Oh, which. Hey. Okay. I mean, describe Doug Jones in a better way. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. But like I but 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 by the time Penguin dies, I I just like I feel like it's kind of a weird lost art in big movies to have, uh you know poetic villain that um, yeah it's like there there's so clearly a path you can see where he his life would have been fine or like he would have been redeemed in some way and that's mm-hmm. what makes that storyline powerful that he is not on it or did not manage to get on it right and then like the first person to like accept him into society. It, it happened to be like kind of the most evil guy. Um, yeah, where you're like, nobody oh, if- around him has his best interests at heart. Yeah, he was right. only doing it because he was being blackmailed. And he that is true. also that is was true. like, oh, I can use him as a political pawn so I can build yeah. my power plant. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, I don't know. I mean, it's like Penguin by the end, you're like, yeah, he's the villain. I, you know, he's not going to make it out of the movie. But yeah, but also we're frowning and it's sad. And he's supposed to be right. 33 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes the last thing i want to say about the pain I, I feel like i i love i think almost across the board really like the like political like corrupt politics commentary mm, in this fun. movie yeah and like those areas of the penguin i kind of am like mm, kind of above criticism for me where it's like <laughs> commenting on how like people are so influenced by media narratives that make them feel like good people where it's like, Mm -hmm. these are the same people that have rejected and been afraid of penguin his whole life. But then there's this false media narrative constructed by the penguin to be Mm. like, I'm good now. You should feel so bad to have been so horrible to me in the past. And they're like, yeah, we love the penguin now. We're going to vote for him. And then mm-hmm. like, he's like, oh, whatever. Fuck you. Um, That's absolutely true. Yeah. I, I was, not, I keep interrupting you, but I, I was no. thinking about that too, like in the scene where he goes to his parents' gravesite, and it's like a whole like media circus out there. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of journalists. There's a, a huge crowd that all are just wanting to gawk at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like he's uh, so. There's so much about this movie that you're like, oh, it's like rejecting all these things. Where it's like he he's crafting his own redemption arc while being completely unchanged, and mm-hmm. like people buy it because and people always buy shit like that. They want to, yeah. Are we to understand that Penguin killed his own parents? Like he knew who they were, and he at some point went and killed them, and that's why they're dead. Or did I, I just know. kind of fill in some blanks? I thought they just he's... died. Yeah, I I didn't think that he had he had killed them. Okay, but well, that's my head canon that he <laughs> did already know who they were and he went and killed them. He killed Pee Wee. <laughs> I mean, that's gonna dock him a few points in my book. You really can't be killing Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> but um, also like the fact that they brought Pee Wee Herman back for the Gotham TV show specifically, like because they were like, oh, we gotta get him in. It's a great cameo. Anyway, he's mm-hmm. canon. He is. He's Batman canon now. <laughs> he is. Oh, it makes me so. Ha- also, Jan Hooks is in this movie. I love Jan Hooks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh yeah, but the, and that like, just like that they're like running him on this like law and order campaign, like just all this stuff where it's like, ah, yeah, I love that the people of Gotham are uh, also always kind of like 
not like complicit in the downfall of their city, but like <laughs> they kind of fall for everything. And you're like, yeah. well, guys, I mean, you really should have been reading between the lines on that whole penguin redemption narrative. Uh, but, you know, I guess you're going to get attacked by a clown again. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just desserts. But like the like, oh, our city's so full of crime narrative. Also like something that we see a lot in mm-hmm. our contemporary society and is not always true. <laughs> Wait, yeah, can we talk about, uh, before we get to, because Catwoman I know is like going to consume so much of the discussion, <laughs> uh, and rightfully so, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I, I was reading about like the creative production of this movie and a lot of the back and forth that happened between Tim Burton and Daniel Waters and something that I liked, because Max Shrek, I wouldn't have known this because I don't know about comic books, but is an original character added to this movie. It was not part of Batman canon. And yeah. mm-hmm. added him in specifically... Named after the actor Max Shrek, who played mm-hmm. Nosferatu. Fitting. Yeah. I liked that, you know, they wanted to have, like, your kind of, like, political villain to to counter to the Penguin, which is, like, more kind of a classic comic booky villain. Um, mm-hmm. And they said that they wanted to do that specifically so that they, like, indicate they're like, oh, the greatest evil is often just, like, an elected public official or, like, a business person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's true. <laughs> and it's true. I just, yeah. like, ugh. It ages very well in that regard. I really... I really liked it and I mean I don't like the the character of Max Shrek is so despicable but like yeah it just like it it fits in Gotham I would prefer that to yeah. like another cartoony kind of villain and Christopher Walken plays the hell out of him oh yeah oh he looks so goofy <laughs> he looks great yeah like ugh, it's amazing he's hot He's oh my god! Christopher Walken's hot, and then every time everyone in this movie is hot, and then we're always like, "What it's happened on the boat, movie. Christopher Walken? What happened?" Yeah, I cannot forget that that he probably does know how Natalie Wood died. I can never forget that. <sighs> TikTok, you know, you mm. gotta let us know you're getting up there. He gotta, he's ha- he has to drop that on the Dune Two press tour. <laughs> he's like the, the heat's getting too. <laughs> There's been too many true crime podcasts about Natalie Wood. I, I just want to say this now. <laughs> this is the best Christopher Rocket I can do. There, I, was, I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Shall we talk about Catwoman? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That costume. Ooh. Oh, my. My God. It's Hachi okay. Munch. So <laughs> my, no- my notes are all over the place with her, but I guess just like, Okay. Generally speaking, or to to kick us off, first of all, well, I love Catwoman. Yeah. Incredible character, amazing. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is iconic. Just like she's the best one. She really is. Oh, yeah. So good. What I like about the Selena slash Catwoman character is, I mean, she's contextualized much like Penguin is, where you get the sense that Selena is constantly being undermined by mm. men in her life and her mom her own mom her mother yeah. um she's constantly being disappointed by men in her life she is inundated with pressure to please men and kind of adhere to rigid gender roles you know all mm. of this shit that she's dealing with that 
Like she's literally like putting a pink collar job. Mm-hmm. The whole thing where she keeps saying like I'm an assistant and it's like oh, it's secretary. Like that whole distinction is so good. And every, yeah, everyone keeps calling her secretary, mm-hmm. right? And then like at work when she tries to offer some input in a meeting, she's shot down. Shrek doesn't want to hear what she has to say. He says something like, you know, we haven't properly. Shrek used to feel that way about Fiona too, and <sighs> she, I mean. <laughs> She wow. really set him straight. She fixed him. <laughs> exactly. Okay, sorry. I thought love was only true in fairy tales, but... <laughs> oh. But true beauty lies within. So wow. everything about that. Point is, Shrek undermines Selena. He's horrible um, to her. And then she goes home. You see a bit of her interior life. She has all of these messages on her answering machine from people, again, either like disappointing her, undermining her like laying on this pressure mm. this kind of like societal patriarchal pressure and then when she goes back to the office and is m- murdered by her boss that's obviously like the catalyst that turns her into catwoman mm-hmm. you know skimble shanks is like meow meow and she's like i'm catwoman <laughs> he's like back from work back from the clown train i work on um <laughs> And then she criticizes Skimbleshanks for not paying rent, which, if true, is wild because he we are to understand that he has a job. Yes, that's right. He's one of the few cats that makes money, so yeah. he should be paying rent. <laughs> He's rich. Um, <laughs> he works on a train. What is he going to use all that cat money for? He's a cat. Yeah, and he takes it so seriously. That's the whole song is about how seriously he takes his job it's and exactly funny. how he does it. Yeah. He's like, I'm on time every day. And the train just kind of can't run without me. Ugh, mm-hmm. I saw it uh, at the Pantages uh, a couple weeks ago. Incredible. And mm-hmm. he didn't tap in the stage adaptation. What mm-hmm. the heck? I know. Mr. Mistopheles tapped and well. Mr. Mistopheles is a classic tapper. Uh-huh. Right, But he's like not a tapper in the movie, but mm-hmm. he is a tapper on stage. I knew that, but I didn't know that there was no Skimbleshanks tapping. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a lovely mm-hmm. dance, but... I did walk away disappointed. It's a lot more of like this. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, is Skimbleshanks taking up space? Of course, during the number. Yeah. He's taking up the he's taking up space the way that Sebastian Maniscalco does during his specials. He's back and forth, <laughs> back and forth. Like, but it's, wow. but it just wasn't quite the tap number I was expecting. Yeah. I'm sorry. Catwoman. Yes. <laughs> okay. Another little contexty fact. And again, I don't want to get in the habit of handing it to Tim Burton too hard. He has a lot of baggage. Yeah. But I guess when they were developing the script, um, according to scholarly journal Wikipedia, Burton's only instruction uh, to Daniel Waters writing the script was that Catwoman had to be more than a sexy vixen. Mm -hmm. And like, so he, it was a definite point of like, we need to understand how she gets from zero to Catwoman. It's not just sexy lady in suit do crime mm-hmm. and be a girlfriend yeah which is why i think she really works in this movie like she has yeah. more to do like i think that's kind of the fatal flaw of like the other like film Catwoman that we've seen where they don't have as much to do or there's kind of too much assumed that we would know about her already mm-hmm. that she falls kind of flat but this lane is like she rules i understand her top to bottom like she's great and she right. has like a real like struggle like yeah i'm trying to remember, i uh, 
I are honestly most of the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I know I liked it, but most of it's already left my brain. But um, Colin Farrell left the strongest impression in that movie. Yeah, I liked him, and I love Zoe Kravitz. But it's like her Catwoman was so cool that it wasn't yeah. like, oh, I wonder if she's going to get out of this. It's like, well, she's so cool, she's probably going to get out of it. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, I genuinely was like, I don't know what's going to happen to her. She's very chaotic. Yeah, the stakes <laughs> yeah. are so high for her, and you know that right away. And you also like. I, don't, I guess I'm curious what you both thought about this because I, I, you know, I think that we're we're to believe that like Selena is like unraveling as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. She's uh-huh. like losing her, you know, grip on reality. But I thought that for the most part that was like well contextualized enough that it didn't super bother me. Like when she goes nuclear mm. on her house, I was like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. There comes a day. You just died and came back. Like, of (laughs) course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to call that overly emotional behavior. (laughs) I think it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Because she's reacting to all of the stuff that she had been dealing with prior to that. The most drastic being that she was murdered by her boss. But like Mm -hmm. she, to me, I see her transformation as like an extremely liberating and empowering moment for her. Mm -hmm. Cause she comes in, she destroys all of the pink stuff, the, her dollhouse, her stuffed animals. She's spray painting things black to make like her house goth. She pulls out like the one black leather coat she has. And she's like, this is my outfit now. Mm -hmm. So she's like rejecting femininity, like traditional femininity in this way. But I don't think the movie's saying like feminine things bad. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's more just like she's, I think, fed up with the expectation to adhere to very rigid, hyper-feminine gender roles yeah and she's like fuck this like i'm gonna break out of this prison basically of gender role constraints and unleash havoc on the world what i don't quite get about her character is Mm -hmm. while i think she has a, a really cool internal conflict like you mentioned jamie as far as like she's struggling with this dual identity she doesn't really know who she has become this transformation is like really messing with her mentally and emotionally her external conflict doesn't really make any sense to me she wants to take down batman for why i assume that she wanted to take down max shrek and knew that and felt that batman would be an obstacle for that because like obviously Mm. what she was trying to do is assassinate a businessman basically and batman is not gonna allow that to happen on his watch no matter what that makes more sense that's how because i i was like a little unclear on that at first but then i was like oh selena is one thing i actually really like about her is she goes full girl boss babe she like she is like very strategic in the way she does stuff where it's like if she has to manipulate like emotionally manipulate batman in one scene to like neutralize him temporarily and then go over to the penguin you know like get what she needs from him and it's like all very strategic and like batman is such a like I was gonna say loser he's not a loser (laughs) but like he's so like lawful good that you know and his whole thing is he doesn't kill people and she although he straight up does some kills a few people I know which I I think Batman heads don't 
like. Mm. I don't care. I don't know. It works in the movie. I'm not that mad about it. I like that yeah. Daniel Waters, like, he has so many quotes uh, about being, <laughs> like, saying, like, I don't care about pleasing fans. <laughs> Comic book fans mean nothing to me. Like, Good for I, They should have let me kill Selena, but it Damn. makes more sense if Batman kills people. And you're just like, man, damn daniel to borrow a phrase <laughs> um uh-huh he just he just doesn't give a rat's ass uh when mm, it comes great. to that which that's i do appreciate i think that more honestly more uh screenwriters yeah. for like big franchises um they should hire more people who don't give a shit because that's the only way yeah, you'll get absolutely. new stuff tony gilroy this is why andor is good because mm. he hates star wars <gasps> really mm. i still he hate seen... star wars yeah oh andor is so good it's like shockingly good <gasps> i gotta watch it still there, it, there's an entire arc about the prison complex like it's wild Ooh, interesting it's really really good yeah maybe less fans should be hired and this is how i'm gonna get to write a big franchise movie i'm like i don't know <laughs> you should hire me i don't know anything um <laughs> but like batman is so like there you know all the obvious observations about batman have been made also on this show uh where it's like he's a billionaire and rah, rah, rah. but like yeah but i think for this that doesn't even really come into it that much those are the kind of obvious criticisms of him but like Mm -hmm. that scene at the end where they're like he's coming in lawful good and he's like we just need to like bring him him to the police and Mm -hmm. it'll be fine and selena's like what the fuck are you talking about like (laughs) this guy lives above the law and so do we and he's like no cops are amazing i love gotham pd (laughs) and like I just Commissioner loved, like, Gordon's my best friend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's my only friend. <laughs> my only friend is a cop. Sorry. I was like, God, so <laughs> pathetic. But like, whatever. <laughs> but I just I just loved how like, I don't know, like in a way that totally fits, like it cartoonishly explicit that conversation is and that yeah. he doesn't win her over. Like that was, mm-hmm, I was sort of like mm-hmm. nervous that whole scene of like, oh God, is he going to win her over? Is she going to be like, you're right. Let's just bring him downtown and like get him locked up. Or another fear, this was like a Spider-Man 2 based fear. <laughs> Where I was like, is, is Batman going to get the killing blow on Max Shrek or something? Because I always forget Batman's not supposed to kill people. So I was like, oh, is he going to get to do it? That would suck because it's so clearly Selena's kill. She should get mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. But none of that happens. Batman yeah. is literally like knocked out for, for Selena to get her killing blow in. Honestly, his part in the final scenes is so funny because he gets knocked out and then you see him sort of like in the distance sort of standing up and like <laughs> looking around to see what's going on as these six penguins uh, <laughs> escort the body of the penguin into the water. Like, can you imagine being Bruce Wayne in that moment being like, huh, like what's going on? Oh, the penguins are like having a funeral service. <laughs> Like, and then Batman goes I over guess I'll see myself. and he like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> and then Batman goes over to like the rubble and like clears some yeah. of it away. And yeah. he sees Max Shrek just Fried. as like a, yeah, like a burnt to a crisp dead Ooh. dude. Great. Catwoman's nowhere to be seen. It's really good. It's awesome. But I, I liked, I totally agree with what you guys are saying about Catwoman and her, I guess, spectrum of femininity. Because I think that's one of the fun things about this movie. And I think something that will be relatable to anyone who has ever sort of questioned how to present gender <laughs> in any way. Yeah. Where the scene where she saves that woman from being raped on the street. She's like, oh, you make it so easy. Always waiting for someone to come save you. I think that's like a sort of thing that we all wrestle with where, where it's like even if you want to present in a very traditionally feminine matter or that's what you like more and what you want to do mm-hmm. like 
the stereotypes that have been laden onto these particular aesthetics are so loaded mm-hmm. and yeah. what people tell you about like when for instance like someone is sexually assaulted like so much of the language is about like oh well what were you doing in that situation what were you and it's wearing so, yeah yeah we're i don't know it's it's interesting to watch her struggle with that. Like, they obviously don't go all the way into, like, just talking about gender politics in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it's a very interesting thing to touch on in general because, like, the iconography of Catwoman in this movie where she turns into this, like, all leather, like, girl. Like, dominatrix style. Yeah. Like, like has such an impact on how we now perceive, like, quote-unquote strong female characters because they're like, mm-hmm. ooh, like, they have to be sexy but also shoot a gun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, that's not what constitutes like strength for any character mm-hmm. or like you don't have to present in one way or any or the other to be considered strong but anyway right yeah. because her sexualization is something i was grappling with because mm. she when she transforms into catwoman she becomes like i would say one of the hottest movie characters of all time oh absolutely oh, a sexual it, awakening yeah. for I think most people who feel sexual feelings. Um, One of the IMDb trivia things for this is that people kept stealing like the one sheet of her. like (laughs) And like to the point that they had to like start putting like cops out to watch like buses and like signage posts and shit to make sure they would stop stealing them. Wow. Our tax dollars at work. People guarding (laughs) Um, sexual images of Michelle Pfeiffer. (laughs) Like... (laughs) A friend of the show, Sammy Junio, had this to say. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is a gay awakening for a lot of queer folks. And gay awakening is also what I announce into my empty apartment when I get out of bed for the day. So, (laughs) Sammy making a goof. Shout out, Sammy. (laughs) Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) Um, But I did, I mean, my, my feeling on it was like, I understand why, like, it almost feels like the sort of thing where, it, it for me it really works in the context of this movie and i understand how like people could take the most base interpretation of it and lift it for other movies in a way that is like net negative but i don't think yeah. that that's michelle pfeiffer catwoman's fault i feel like no no no, no not right at all. it's a very like mr hollywood takeaway to be like okay so you know she people really liked this character and it's probably because she was wearing a skin tight suit and had a gun and it's like well that was a yeah. part of it but also <laughs> I like, but also the other stuff. It's not nothing. It was definitely a, a, a good chunk, but also it's like the character was well written. She was really strongly yeah. motivated, and like, yeah, I, I sort of viewed like her being sexualized. I don't think it's ever like endorsed by the movie explicitly, mm-hmm. like especially when it's um, Shrek or the Penguin. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I don't know. I I felt like her sexualization, or at least with like the outfit and her behavior was more like she's like all of a sudden confident and like mm-hmm. sexually confident yeah. and like into herself in yeah, a way that's more about her yeah, yeah. Right. I, and i liked that like the visual representation of that and if, obviously it's a very like you know western beauty standards uh visual interpretation of that right. but i thought it worked that it's like oh this yeah. is like a woman who has felt so pushed down by all these different forces and now she's finally like oh I'm fucking hot and cool and I can like do whatever I want and that's cool that's fun to watch that is and that's like yeah that's what I was grappling with where like on one hand you could easily argue that her 
sexualization is very much on her own terms this is how she chooses to present Mm -hmm. this is a manifestation of her newfound confidence but on the other hand you could argue that it was the male screenwriters and directors who chose to present a female character in this way right but but because like her being sexualized in this story isn't predatory in terms of like the way the camera views her yeah it's yeah. not like male gazy lingery cinematography it's more just like and this is how the character is now presenting it pretty objectively mm-hmm. in my opinion so yeah yeah i was like pretty fine with it yeah i totally agree with that <laughs> i was also objectively into it because it's like <laughs> oh yeah michelle pfeiffer in a oh. cat suit also her performance there is a really good it was from like i think five or so years ago for the 25th anniversary of this movie it was a, a, a really nice piece by a uh, writer we've cited many times in this show angelica jade bastian in vulture mm-hmm. wrote this nice ode to michelle pfeiffer as catwoman and just like how her like we'll link it in the description of this episode she she directs you to several ways that michelle pfeiffer was talked about in the press where Mm -hmm. i think that also and this gets me into like lolita podcast brain kind of but like how i think a lot of like the takeaway of how catwoman was presented was shaped by how the media talked about it versus what actually happens in the movie yeah Mm -hmm. because all you know jennifer's body problem yeah, yeah right where uh you know in context she's taking control of her own sexuality and presenting the way she wants to present. But the way that like she was profiled at the time, the way she was talked about in the media was very, it like had nothing to do with Michelle Pfeiffer's performance, which I think is like really awesome. (laughs) Her performance is great. Yeah. And I mean, that's just very indicative of the way women tend to be perceived because people tend to value women for very specific things like their physical appearance and not their skills or artistic talents or brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> what do we think about the bat cat relish? Mm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't hate it. Um, it feels a little like half baked kind of, but it seemed to me that Bruce likes Selena after like he meets her in Shrek's he has office. Such a crush because on her. it's cute. I think he thinks like she's fierce and mm-hmm. powerful and cool, and that's what he like. He's drawn to her confidence. Yeah, yeah. He literally wants her to like step on him. Like I, <laughs> yep. It does kind of like that's the kind of he's like yeah. this like shy weirdo that's like yeah. Hey, I came to this super freak party hoping you'd be here like she wants him to step on him yeah and she would yeah but she's busy yeah she's booked and busy she's busy killing max shrek she's literally like there's a bedroom in the other room if you want to like get this done yeah wild i I love how horny she is and he's like what 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 I forgot superhero movies could be who's so horny. It's so they're so like so yeah. funny. The scene where he, they like first fight, and she's like, "You can't hit me. I'm a woman." And he's like, "Okay, oh, you should, so, you're right. I'm so sorry." And then he she, she kicks him in the face. <laughs> I wrote all of this down because I it's love this. So good. It's great. It's the first fight between them. They're fighting. She's holding her own, mm-hmm. but he knocks her down. And then she says, oh, "How could you? I'm a woman." And then he's like, "Oh, oh I, I'm sorry." And yeah. then he like goes it's to help so her good. up, but it was a trick. 
she kicks him she gets the upper hand and knocks him over a ledge yep so he's like dangling there holding on by her whip and then she was like as i was saying i'm a woman and can't be taken for granted and that's when she says life's a bitch now so am i and we're like she's got a (laughs) lot of great lines it's really fun really really fun i i really do like how like cartoony the script is even at the Mm -hmm. beginning where it's all of her like single lady lines are so (laughs) weird but funny where she's like it just it's literally sounds like a comic strip where you like walk in you're like honey i'm home oh wait i don't have a husband i'm like that's a kathy strip (laughs) and then like the single cam like laugh track yeah yeah Yeah. like it's it's so especially because they like go so hard against it in the uh, in the rest of the movie that it like yeah. totally works. Ugh, I loved that she uses the clown taser at the end. Yeah. She kept the clown's taser. Mm-hmm. Plan payoff, baby. Um, <laughs> the only thing that kind of like pinged for me, and we just talked about something similar on the Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead episode where uh, a female character's weight gets just kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a moment where Selena is like, she and Bruce are talking and they're kind of commenting on the news coverage, like the media coverage of Batman and Catwoman. And Selena says something like, Oh, you know, there's like this rumor going around that Catwoman is thought to weigh 140 pounds as if she thinks that's too much. And she doesn't weigh that much. And she resents that people think she's, she weighs more than she actually is. The 1992 really j- jumped out in that moment. Cause yeah. you're, yeah. I honestly was like confused by that line at first. Cause I was like, what is <laughs> what? even being said? Cause that's I, just like, it's whatever. I, I mean, I it, that I do. We've talked about that before too. Is like that. That's like the kind of shit that like gives young people eating disorders. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> As someone who famously uh, mm-hmm. had my ED, my ED cranked up to an eleven by an offhand line in a Family Guy episode, oh. uh, mm-hmm. you really can't be. Sh- I, it's like the numbers specifically that really yeah bugs me. Where it's like totally yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, that that was like a very bizarre one it's just a lazy choice to make like the one female character in the movie mention her weight or be concerned about her weight and as these movies always do act in such a way that women being concerned about their image and their weight just happens in a void has nothing to Mm -hmm. do with the societal pressure (laughs) that we place on women uh for how they look so yeah that line uh that line bummed me out there was a really funny um i sent it to you caitlin there's a really uh dana schwartz like three years ago yeah uh live tweeted this entire movie and also called out that line of like what are they saying here (laughs) you're like truly what don't know (laughs) yeah and then if you think about it for a second you're like oh i guess in 1992 brain where it was like that messaging was kind of like approaching an all-time high yeah because we're in like the what is that Kate Moss quote? Whatever that oh, era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, food doesn't taste as good as, as good skinny as, feels or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Ah. Remember we were. <laughs> yeah. Remember, you know the the words that uh, shaped and haunted us. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I also clocked that. Fortunately, it's one line and doesn't really come up again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the the last. I think one of the last things I have is um the scene where she goes on the date with bruce 
Mm-hmm. She makes the first move, and it's mm-hmm. intense. It's a, okay, it is maybe she. It is possibly a surprise kiss because she but, lunges but at he, him. She does lunge at him. However, he has just said that he wants to. He kiss wants her. to kiss her. So yeah. I felt like mm-hmm. maybe I'm giving Catwoman a pass on that one. She came in hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna give her a pass. She came in hot. The vibes were. But set. he was like, yeah. I cannot wait to kiss you. Yeah. Will you let me? And she's like, I see that, and I raise you. I'm going to kiss you by pouncing on you like a cat. <laughs> she's like, I might actually eat you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I think that, like, their relationship, like, it doesn't, I, I just, it's, like, so nice to see a horny superhero. <laughs> horny, like, horny woman visibility. I love it. Yeah. Incredibly horny. It's good. Yeah. I do like because we talk about the trope of a woman using a frying pan as a weapon Mm -hmm. she uses a frying pan but it's to smash up her own apartment Mm -hmm. i liked it yeah followed by the line where she says i don't know about you miss kitty but i feel so much yummier iconic iconic so good (laughs) i'm gonna start saying that to flee um and He's going to love every damn second of it, or I'm disowning him. Absolutely. Oh, the stakes are high. Yeah, the stakes are high for Mr. Flea. I will say, every time I watch this movie, so right after she transforms into Catwoman, and then she's on the prowl, Mm -hmm. as you might say, on the streets of Gotham, the first thing she does as Catwoman is to save a woman from being sexually assaulted by oops, one of the few people of color in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which unfortunately is very in line with like Tim, Burton Tim Burton's aesthetics whole... because his movies are so <laughs> aggressively white that he's even defended it. Um, which He's like, why would I really? put non-white people in my movie? And we're like, Tim. Yeah. What did he say? Wait, this what? was, uh, I'd have to look up the exact quote. We've discussed it on the show before. I think that this okay. was around, because he, I, it was like to the point where he had to like, walk this back this was in 2016 did it have something to do with the miss peregrine's peculiar children house peregrine's home for peculiar children yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay he said this to writer rachel simon in 2016 uh, and it was on the miss peregrine's um press tour Mm -hmm. he said Mm -hmm. quote nowadays people are talking about it more he says regarding on-screen diversity but quote Things either call for things or they don't. I remember back when I was a child watching the Brady Bunch and they started to get all politically correct. Like, okay, let's have an Asian child and a black child. I used to get more offended by that than just, I grew up watching black exploitation movies, right? And I said, that's great. I didn't go like, okay, there should be more white people in these movies, unquote. Mm. It, it's just like the most white, white boomer privileged guy. Yeah. Shit. This is the same as like every time anyone complains about there being people of color cast in anything like Star Wars or something where they're like, right. oh, and I, the the logic of like, oh, they can have their own movies. And it's like, no, like this is not you can't talk like this. You can't don't Mm-mm. stop. <laughs> like, ah. Stop yeah. talking like uh, yeah. shut your mouth, Tim Burton. So that's like especially uh, remembering him making those comments like seeing that Mm -hmm. you're just like this is like a very intentional choice this is intentional absolutely so catwoman is saving another woman from being sexually assaulted and then the woman's like oh my gosh thank you but then catwoman yeah kind of victim blames the woman and is like well you make it so easy you're always just waiting around for some batman to save you and so it's always at this point in the movie when you see her save when you see catwoman save this other person and i'm always like oh she's about to go on this like 
vigilante almost like the movie teeth where she's like oh, yeah, like i'm yeah. just gonna good shout out for teeth. like protect women and save women from these predatory mm-hmm. men and i always think that that's the direction the catwoman character is gonna go in but she quickly abandons any sort of like allyship to other women and then yeah. just like goes after shrek which i don't know i mean it's just i guess it's just like me having certain wants and wishes for the Catwoman character. Yeah. But I certainly would have liked for that to be the direction that she went in. But like it's sort of the same point as like when I mentioned the scene earlier where it's like you can understand why that is her reaction to saving that woman. Like it's not right obviously. Right. But the way that she like the social conditioning around her basically is telling her this and is also why she rejects that kind of more feminine aesthetic as Catwoman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I honestly wasn't like super bugged by that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I think it it makes a point. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. I think the only, the only thing that I felt like in this movie was like uh, characterizing the, uh, was it like ice princess or like characterizing her as such a bimbo, very ditzy as a, as a, a proud bimbo and a bimbo apologist. I just feel like, <laughs> yeah, making her just kind of a classic bimbo. Yeah, it's a little cruel. Yeah, I mean, it's such a small part of the movie, but and then she gets murdered. Yeah, it's yeah. always like a while, like a movie where it's like, oh, we can only have one woman we're really thinking about in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like we can't characterize more than one. That would be mm-hmm. whatever. I feel Danny like the Vito's only other thirty-three years old guys. <laughs> I feel like the only other woman besides Catwoman and the ice princess who has any significant screen time and it's not as though this woman has a lot but there's a minion of penguins she has a little dog love her she seems to be one of penguins like right hand minions yeah she's, she's one high of the clowns up. she's yeah. high up she's high up in the oh, ranks what's going on with her but she doesn't speak until the very end and it's her who's like giving the countdown is like of like Oh, the penguins are going to reach their destination in T minus 15 seconds. She's really just there for fun. Yeah, I loved her. She's there for love of the game. She is like (laughs) droning through narrating the height of the action of the movie. She's like, "Mm, the penguins are going in a different direction. Uh, Looks like there's (laughs) a Batmobile coming towards us. I just, uh, that's the kind of like... Tim Burton character I really like of just like woman who is bored (laughs) (laughs) by something very exciting that's always so fun I uh yeah I I liked her the dog is so cute yeah Uh, it's like a little busted it's very cute (laughs) it's a good dog it's a good boy um feminist icon the duck boat love the the duck boat oh my god the duck boat we haven't even talked about the duck boat it's so good (laughs) it's so it's so what a set piece big i love like it's perfect when a movie is just like and and we just talked about the many ways in which tim burton is a relic at this point Mm -hmm. but i do love to watch a director absolutely abuse a big budget it's so fun (laughs) like it's so like the it's canon that he was just like no performance artists let's go bigger let's go full circus at the zoo for no reason Mm -hmm. we need animatronic penguins we need people penguins and we need penguin (laughs) penguins there's no way around it um the animal rights Mm. stuff in this movie we can't go there because probably not good michelle pfeiffer put a real bird in her mouth wild Uh, so we wish that bird the best and hope it went on to thrive um (laughs) but it just like this movie is so 
The duck boat. The duck boat is the duck boat is wonderful. I love it. I'm obsessed with the duck boat. The train. The yeah. Train. Why is there a train? Oh, <sighs> I, I I do want to shout out the penguins. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. They are so cute. They're very good. They frown when the penguin dies. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it's so sad. They're sad oh, for their friend. It's true. They're literally. It's it's literally like if Gru died. What would happen? Well, it's exactly like if Gru died. They would be beside themselves. They would not. Is that canon that they are like especially devoted to Gru? Because they've had like other masters, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, oof, don't get me. Yeah. They've had a lot of, they've worked for a lot of people, but Gru is special to them. But they love Gru. Okay. Because okay. Gru takes all their boxes where it's like usually their bosses are really evil and also abusive towards them. But Gru is evil and nice oh. to them. So they love grew he takes care of them okay oh wow all right they kind of grew up together they grew up together. <laughs> they grew. They grew up and they grew up together. There is. I I was sitting. Okay, this is my last tangent of the episode. I promise. I was taking a mega bus from Rhode Island to New Whoa, York last weekend. Brag. Because yeah, I'm kind of a fucking celeb. Uh, but hell yeah, I was sitting next to this college student who was talking on the phone with one of his boys for the duration of the bus it was it was really long and obnoxious but it was just like he was such a bro with like three brain cells that he was really like getting some good quips in every once and again like he was just he was objectifying his classmates the whole call oh boy but at one point he was like yeah you know christina she kind of really uh glue how do i she glue up over the summer did I say that right? She glue up. And then you could hear the guy on the other line be like, yeah, no, I get it. And then they just like, <laughs> I was like, oh, God. That's incredible. She glue up. He okay. couldn't think of the word glowed. Amazing. He was literally Amazing. coming from Brown University. It was. Oh, brother. <laughs> this she is how we get Max Shrek's the out there. Glue up over the summer. It was nasty. Yeah. All right. Well, Batman Returns. Does anyone have anything else to say about Batman Returns? Um, there was supposed to be a sequel where mm. Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman, had her own mm. own story. It was supposed to also be done with Daniel Waters and Tim Burton. Mm. Um, and it follows her to a like more Las Vegas-y location. Ooh. Mm. It sounds like it would have been great, but it yeah. never happened. Damn it. Here's my last thing to say. Well, I guess I have like two last things. One of them is I do think it's funny that people complain about like Batman not being in this movie enough because ultimately it is a Catwoman movie. Like Mm -hmm. Batman is fairly incidental to what goes on in the film. This is a movie about Catwoman and the Penguin. Like it's their movie. They are the two far more strongly motivated characters. And Batman's just like, well, I'm Batman, so I have to stop these people but yeah exactly like he is called to the scene like he did not create the scene yeah i kind of like that this movie is like comfortable with batman being a little bit boring <laughs> like yeah yeah because i don't even think batman is like oh, obviously he's like not a boring character but mm. i like that this movie is sort of like well he's not the most interesting character in the movie yeah yeah and we're comfortable <laughs> with that uh-huh. he returns but, you know, kind of to a more incidental degree than you would imagine. Right? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Uh, my second point is that Danny DeVito is hot. We should recognize yes. that more, I think, as a society. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. His energy, oh my God. He's hot. He's a socialist. 
His politics are yeah. kind of immaculate. What is hotter than that? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's single, I think. So. <gasps> Not divorced, but I guess, I don't know. Like, I know that he and Rip Perlman are, like, separated, but they are not divorced. I don't find that mm. disqualifying. Yeah, that's if fair. he comes up on, I was like, if he if he comes up on Bumble, yeah, obviously, I will not hesitate. Oh I'll, no, no question. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out for him on Raya. Yeah, I'm on Raya. Wow. <laughs> okay. Have I had any luck there? Not one iota. <laughs> <laughs> I've still not used a dating app, so. I was just throwing Bumble out there because I know it's it exists. One it of them. exists. Yeah, it's I was on one of them. I went on dating apps for like a month, and then I was like, I don't think I enjoy this, and so I stopped. They're not great. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> wow, the... we sound like Selena Kyle at the beginning of the movie of her like, honey, I'm <laughs> honey. I'm it's home. a good. It's a good note to wrap up on mm-hmm. because uh, this movie's so horny. So now mm-hmm. we're oh, talking exa- a little exactly. bit about exactly. Yeah. Does the movie pass the Bechdel test? I agree with you, Jamie. I would argue when Selena talks to her female cat, whose name we know because it's Miss Kitty, that passes because yeah. here's the conversation. <laughs> Selena comes home. Cat goes, meow. Selena says, Miss Kitty, back That's from dialogue. more sexual escapades you refuse to share. So they've talked before. Cat, they, it's they, establishing a relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have a close bond. Although Miss Kitty is withholding. Uh, Miss Kitty says, meow, meow. Selena says, drink your dinner. Cat says, meow. Selena says, what? How can anyone be so pathetic? Yes, to you, I seem pathetic. But I'm a working girl. I gotta pay the rent. Yeah, Selena. <laughs> I mean... And that passes the Bechdel test. That passes. I don't know what to tell you. It passes. Flying yeah. colors. I feel comfortable with that. I feel ecstatic about that. Is there much else outside of that? No. no. There no. is a brief interaction between Catwoman and the Ice Princess, but they don't actually speak to each other on screen. Yeah. At least. Yeah, not really. It would have been fun if she could have had a little tete a tete with uh, Penguin's board associate. Oh, yeah. Ooh, sure. But I don't even know if we if that character gets a name. I just really liked her. I don't think so. No. Uh, Wikipedia just lists her as the poodle lady. <laughs> okay, love that. Yeah. That's great. I support that. Ice Princess is nice. I, she seemed really nice. I, I would have loved to get lunch with her. A sweetie pie. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. Absolutely. Yeah. R.I.P. Truly. Uh, oh, my gosh. R.I.P. But who among us has not wanted to vault into the giant tree at Rockefeller Center? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, if I've got to go at the hands of Danny DeVito, you know. Fine. It's going to be memorable for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People will talk about it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how about our nipple scale, though, which <laughs> yeah. is a scale of zero to five nipples in which we rate the movie based on looking at it through an intersectional feminist lens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go like three and a half on this. Mm-hmm. I might be bringing some of my bias into that score because I do love this movie so much. Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As we've yeah. discussed, there are there's some things about the coding of the penguin character, its yeah. ableism and anti-Semitism that is so present in the coding of so many villains. This movie is kind of no exception. That whether it's intended or not, it's like is worth acknowledging. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a few other like little missteps here and there, but so the screenwriter. 
uh, Daniel Waters was brought in after another writer who I think wrote the screenplay for the first Batman movie, mm-hmm. Sam Ham. Sam Ham. His name okay. is Sam Ham. That's going to bring some baggage with it if you grow up with that name. <laughs> he was exactly. He was originally involved in the development of the sequel of Batman Returns and had written, I don't know if he wrote a full draft or if he was just sort of like outlining the story, but basically he was replaced by Daniel Waters or he just like his involvement didn't happen the whole way through the development process. But he had written a version of Catwoman that Daniel Waters changed because Sam Hamm's version of Catwoman was just like a quote fetishy sexual fantasy femme fatale right daniel waters changed her to a and again this is i'm pulling from wikipedia here scholarly journal um (laughs) changed to a working class disenchanted secretary writing her as an allegory of contemporary feminism right and i feel like the movie kind of nails it It works and Mm -hmm. we're speaking of white feminism from the early 90s yes Mm -hmm. yes but spice girls feminism yeah but it works (laughs) but it works at least for this movie certainly doing more than a lot of superhero movies are doing now still to this day if there's a woman in it it's feminist (laughs) right right right. and they're like yeah sure it's like let's just like have her say some sort of t-shirt quips at some point and then yeah thor is natalie portman now until she isn't and that's awesome no not um, really yeah (laughs) don't worry not really Um, i didn't see that we would never let a woman be thor (laughs) no 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 so I just appreciate that the movie takes a lot of time to characterize the Selena Kyle slash Catwoman character. Yeah. It gives her an internal life. Yeah. We see her at work. We see her at home. We understand all of the context for why she becomes Catwoman and just all of the societal pressures that she's fighting against. Could she have been more of an ally to other women? Yes. But I think, you know, look, this is also how long does this movie take over? This this takes place over, over the, the course, course of like, like a week. Three days. Yeah. I think, you know, she would have gotten there. You know, she just needed mm-hmm. a little more time. Yeah. She just needed sure. more time. That's what she's doing now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. She's still Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman is still canonically out there, right? Yes. Absolutely. So I'm sure she d- does all sorts of she, incredible work. The, the character she plays in Ant Man is actually Catwoman. Everything oh, about that. Interesting. Oh, right. She's an Ant-Man. What a crossover. Right? I only saw the second one, so I was confused. Oh. <laughs> well, she's not Love in the that. first one. Oh, okay. Right. Then I was just confused by the movie. <laughs> anyway, Anyways. so all of the characterization she gets, she's given an internal conflict, which a lot of female characters are simply not given in movies and she she's just like a more interesting and fun character than batman in this movie yeah i think she and penguin are kind of tied for like yeah most like well characterized compelling characters for sure yes so uh with all of that in mind i'm gonna give the movie a 3.5 nipple rating i'll I'll give one to michelle pfeiffer i'll give one to miss kitty i'll give one to feminist icon the duck boat and (laughs) i'll give my half nipple to the line life's a bitch now so am i yeah yeah i'll i'll go i'll go uh three and a half as well this movie fucking rules Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it's the best 
outside of a pencil cast lens, if I was just watching this movie, I'd be like, yeah, greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> cool. Great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that like we've, we've kind of singled out the stuff where it's, you know, maybe a little dated in some areas and mm-hmm. there are certainly tropes that we've discussed in the past that are present here um, and, you know, deserve acknowledgement and calling out. But in terms of like a superhero movie in 92, this like movie's doing a hell of a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I love her Catwoman. I love her. I love her. Undisputed top tier Catwoman. Yeah. No one's doing it like she was doing it. So yeah. I'm going to give it three and a half nipples. I'm going to give two to Michelle and the remainder to Miss Kitty. Yeah. Let's do that. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'll give it a neat four. I like uh, from not this specific angle. I would just give it a straight five out of five. I think it's a great. Oh, yeah. I think it's a perfect movie. Um, b- I mean, we've talked about its flaws, but it is a perfect movie. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. For uh, if I had to distribute them, one for pre Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer, one for post Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. one for the Duck Boat, mm-hmm. and one for Danny DeVito. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <sighs> of course. Also, it's time for. Catwoman facts with Caitlin. Finally. Catwoman, as far as I know, has two nipples. And that's Catwoman facts with Caitlin. Nice. You're welcome. Thank you. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. Karen. Mm-hmm. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you for having me. This was delightful. Our And for bringing pleasure. us this absolutely iconic movie to discuss we've had such a nice time please come back anytime <laughs> oh, oh anytime literally just ask me anytime Hell oh, yeah. please i mean truly like tomorrow would be great <laughs> yeah what are you doing do it. <laughs> let's 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 do bat nipples next time <laughs> i have not seen bat nipples so that would be fascinating for me it's like it's a pretty wild ride it's not this movie it's not i wouldn't compare it to this movie but <laughs> it's got a lot going for it oh yeah that's Clooney batman is that right Yes. 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 I think so. Okay. Because then there's it's Val Batman after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always mess up the order. Oh, I forgot. There's a Val Batman. Yeah. yeah. Too many Batmans. Anyways, Karen, uh, where can we find you online, and uh, what would you like to plug? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Karen Wyhan, uh, as long as the platform is still active, and you can find me on Instagram at the Karen Hahn, and I would love to plug my book. As of recording, yeah. it is coming out in a little less than a week. It is called Bong Joon-ho, Distant Cinema. It is coming out from Abrams slash Little White Lies. It's just all about Bong Joon-ho's work. Ooh. Please buy my book. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Please. I, I can't fucking wait. Truly. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's wild because like some of the pre-orders have started arriving already. So which is terrifying to see that Whoa. it is out in the world. In like the some world. people have it. It's loose. The, the, the juice is loose. Yeah. The, the juice. <laughs> One of my favorite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right up there with Life's a Bitch and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on. And, and truly. Yeah. Come back soon. Come back anytime. Thank you so much for having me. And truly, it would be an honor and a joy to oh. come back on the show. I can't wait. We'll email you tomorrow. Amazing. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter as long as that platform exists. And yeah, uh, who knows? Or Instagram at Bugsdale Cast. Mm-hmm. You can uh, f- follow our Patreon, aka Matreon. Oh, yeah. Five bucks a month gets you two bonus episodes. Uh, it's usually just me and Caitlin kind of choosing movies around a theme. Um, An amazing so theme. Of course, it's December. We're doing our holiday roundup. So mm-hmm. we're doing Lindsay Lohan, Netflix movie. You know, we're, we're, oh, we're yeah. bringing the hits. We also just did Mob March 
which we observed in November. Mm-hmm. So oh, nice. You, we had to put our thoughts on uh, just because I feel like people have been har- <laughs> harassing <laughs> us about the Godfather for so long. And by uh-huh. that, I mean people who have never listened to our show and don't think what we uh, have to that. say Love should be that. taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we put that behind a paywall. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job. We both liked the movie. So fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Young Robert De Niro. My God. Hot. Uh, Young uh, Al Pacino. Oh my God. Also hot. Get inside me. All right. <laughs> let's. Uh, That's all at patreon.com slash backtillcast for $5 a month. Yeah. Uh, and then you've also got our merch. Hey, you're not sure what mm-hmm. to get your loved ones for the holidays? Consider going to Tea Public. First, get them a copy of Karen's book. Yes. And then go. Oh, and then well, thank you. Go to teapublic.com slash the backtillcast for some merchandise i uh i'm actually someone who has received Bechtelcast merch for oh. a holiday and it was oh. a great gift so i would recommend no it yeah and we didn't even plan that no uh, yeah we didn't even plan that it's okay. the gift that keeps on giving truly. anyway truly life's a bitch and so are we <laughs> bye. bye you deserve a moment to yourself every single day And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.